A trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Oh, we got some fun stuff to go over this hour. By the way, I'll open up the phone lines, too, if you'd like to join the conversation. 801-331-8113 is the number. Okay, a couple things I wanted to cover here. First of all, I want to give a quick shout-out to my great sponsors, including Firesteel.com, as well as the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate them making it possible for me to do this show. And, and I would encourage you, my listener, if you have need of a means of starting fire, <laughs> if you have need of a refinance or a new home mortgage, Contact my sponsors. Let them know that their message is reaching your ears. I also want to give a shout-out to the incredible and wonderful networks and radio stations that, that are carrying this program and, and, and helping to grow our little tribe of wrong thinkers. And that would include, of course, uh, K-Talk in Salt Lake City, AM 1640, uh, Tip of the Hat to Dick Perry and Kristen and all of those who have been so good to work with us over the years. Um, Want to give a shout out to the Loving Liberty Radio Network, as well as uh, Liberty News Radio and Missouri Liberty Radio and TalkStream Live. And there, there are others that I'm sure I'm not naming. Also, I want to give a special shout out and, uh, and just say hi to uh, my listeners in southern Utah on KDXU AM and FM as well as KSUB, two stations that have started to carry reruns of my show on the weekend. It's my old stomping grounds, and I, I just, I'm, I'm so happy to be connecting with uh, some of the listeners and some of the relationships that I, that I built down there in many, many happy years of radio. All right, that little trip down memory lane was fun. Let's get to business. So I, it turns out I have trust issues. With what health officials are saying. Now, I know you're not surprised. Yeah, we, we got that picture, Brian. You talk about it every day. You got trust issues. Can I give you an example of why I have trust issues? And I have to tip my hat to John Miltimore, who is one of the editors at the Foundation for Economic Education. John has been such a, a tremendous resource when it comes to making sense of, of the official numbers and the policies and how, you know, the lockdowns have been implemented and the way that things have been uh, addressed, particularly he has been a wealth of information in making sure that uh, that we had some some solid information to go with, for instance, on Sweden, which is kind of a pariah among the, ch- the world community. They're the problem child. Why? Because they didn't lock down. They didn't mandate that everybody wear masks. I think 10% of their citizens may have worn masks. And yet to the, the disease, the, the illness, has pretty much petered out there. They're no worse off than any of their neighbors. And in fact, economically, they're far better off than many of their neighbors who did institute strict lockdowns. So it's been great to turn to John, and, and again, I tip my hat to John Miltimore for, for being such a reliable and, and just consistent source of information. I don't see him as a person with an agenda other than, let's get to the bottom of this and look a little bit closer. And when I share with you what I'm about to share with you, you're going to understand why it's important that somebody do this. He has an article about the sneaky trick 
a public health a public health official in Kansas used to make mask mandates look super effective. And it's a trick. And this is why those of us who question the numbers and question why a person who went to the hospital and was treated for knee problems would have their, you know, their treatment classified as it's COVID related. But there's some weird, funky stuff going on with the numbers and things are being overreported. Things are being exaggerated to where it, it's, it's giving the appearance that things are far worse than they actually are. And that's being used to justify further grabs for power on the part of bureaucrats and politicians. That's it in a nutshell. But listen to this example. John Miltimore says, as of early August, 34 U.S. states mandate the use of masks in public to limit the spread of COVID-19. Now, he says the efficacy of, of face masks has been a subject of debate in the health community during the pandemic. And because health, ex- health experts disagree on their effectiveness, countries and health agencies around the world, including the World Health Organization and CDC, have done a reversal on their mask recommendations during the pandemic. Those of you who were paying attention will remember this. There was a time when they were saying, don't bother wearing a mask, it's not going to protect you, to suddenly, no, you have to wear a mask. And in fact, as my friend Joe Carey was pointing out on his show earlier today, one of the first things that Joe Biden announced after he and Kamala Harris stepped forward to, you know, take their accolades as they are the presumptive nominees for the Democratic Party to run for president this November. What's the first item of business? Joe Biden says we're going to beat COVID-19. How are you going to do it? With a ma- with a federal mandate nationwide that everybody wear a mask. Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's not getting better. John Miltimore says reasonable and persuasive cases can be made both for and against the use of the use of masks in the general population. But unfortunately, the science of masks and viruses is becoming less clear because of the politicized nature of the debate. And the case in point that he's pointing to is a Kansas public health official who made news last week after he was accused of using a deceptive chart to make it appear that counties with mask mandates had lower COVID-19 case rates than they actually did. At a press conference, Kansas Department of Health and Environment Secretary Dr. Lee Norman credited face masks with a positive statewide COVID-19 trend, showing a general decline in deaths, hospitalizations, and new cases. Norman pointed to a chart, and this is included in John's article, which I too will include in the show notes, that depicted two lines tracking cases per 100,000 people between July 12th and August 3rd. The red line begins higher than the blue line, but then it falls precipitously as it travels down the x-axis, ending below a blue line. Now, Norman explains that red line represented 15 counties with mask mandates, which account for about two-thirds of the state's population. The blue line, the flat blue line, represented the remaining 90, 90 counties, which had no mask mandates in place. All of the improvement in case development comes from those counties wearing masks, Norman said. The results are clear, Norman claimed. The red line shows reduction. The blue line is flat. Kansas's real-life experiment shows masks work. But it didn't take long for people to realize something wasn't quite right. The blue line and the red line were not on the same axis. So this gave the impression that counties with mask mandates in place had fewer daily cases than counties without mask mandates. But that's not the case. 
And John Miltimore says in reality, counties with mask mandates have far higher daily COVID-19 cases than counties without mask mandates. If the trends are depicted on the same axis, then he shows you the red and blue lines look like this, and it is a clear difference. The blue line stays roughly flat. But the red line on the same axis, I'm sorry, the, but the red line dips below. Now, he says, if you put them on the same axis, the red line shows very clearly that it's higher cases. Sorry, you've got to see this. To I'm trying to describe it. I'm doing a terrible job of it. The, the bottom line is, by moving those lines off the same axis, it gives the impression that, uh, that something was real that actually wasn't. And many Kansans weren't pleased with the trickery. Kansas Policy Institute expert Michael Austin told local media, this chart gives a false impression. Austin said it has nothing to do with about, about whether masks are effective or not. It's about making sure Kansans can make sound conclusions from accurate information. And unfortunately, the chart that was shown prior in the week strongly suggested that counties that had followed Dr. Norman's mask order outperformed counties that did not. That was cer- most certainly not true. Twitter was a lot less diplomatic. Dr. Milton Wolf tweeted, COVID fraud in Kansas. Dr. Norman doctored the graph and, re- graph and released a false statement to justify mask order. And then it said, Governor Kel- Laura Kelly, you are going to pay the price for this. Others said how to lie with charts, Kansas edition. This is literal fraud. They used this chart to support a mask mandate, but it showed the mask counties on a different axis with a different scale. They're higher, not lower. There was no good reason to do this. It's just lying. And look, the bottom line is, again, whether you are for masks or against masks, the chart that was presented is deceptive. And however you feel about masks, if your health officials are giving you deceptive or slanted information, you've got to be wondering somewhere in your mind, why? Who benefits if this information is slanted one way or the other? Worse, Dr. Norman also failed to note that the lines were on different axes until a reporter asked if the blue line would get below the red line if those counties passed masked mandates, which prompted Norman, more, Norman rather to mumble something about different metrics and then admit that counties without mask mandates have lower case rates. He says the trend line is what I really want to focus on. You got busted, Dr. Norman, and it's a good thing. Thank you, fact checkers. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. So just a couple final thoughts on this article from John Miltimore about the sneaky trick that a uh, Kansas public health official pulled to try to make mask mandates look super effective. He got called on it and and mumbled something about, well, yeah, you know, there's, there's uh, the, the counties without the mask mandate actually do have a uh, lower rate of COVID-19, but then went back to, I just want to focus on the trend line, and this deception was called out, and I think rightly so. I mean, you know, some people will, you're just looking for anything wrong here, but... Think about what is being done in the name of trying to prevent the spread of the disease. 
People's livelihoods are being disrupted. People's businesses are being destroyed. People are being pushed to the brink of suicide and sometimes over the brink by official dictates. Well, we'll control that virus has to obey us because we said to do this. So don't you think it might be good to have some decent information and not be misled into embracing things that are ultimately more destructive than the virus itself? Apparently, the deception prompted a non-apology from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. Yes, the axes are labeled differently. We recognize it was a complex graph and may not have been easily understood and easily misinterpreted. Yeah, that's a non-apology, all right. Dr. Norman, meanwhile, vowed to do better next time. I'll learn from that and try to be clearer next time, he said, following criticism from lawmakers. Now, John Miltimore says the episode is unfortunate because it further clouds the science and erodes trust in the medical experts that individuals rely on to make informed decisions. And it's also ironic because the controversy overshadowed the state's positive data, which suggests masks might be working in Kansas. The chart may have been deceptive, but the data is correct and shows a 34 percent drop in covid cases in counties with mandates in place. So it's quite possible that drop is linked to county orders mandating the use of masks. But then again, that order may the order may have nothing to do with the drop. Correlation, as you know, doesn't equal causation. If it did, the surge in COVID-19 cases in California following its mask order would be proof that masks actually increase transmission rates. But as John Miltimore points out, science doesn't work that way. At least it shouldn't. And Dr. Norman knows this. Maybe masks are an effective way to curb transmission of the coronavirus. Maybe it's largely ineffective or even harmful, like the Surgeon General said back in March. The truth is, we don't know. What's clear, he says, is that top physicians and public health experts on the planet can't decide if face coverings help reduce the spread of COVID-19. So in light of this, it seems reasonable and prudent that public health officials should focus less on forcing people to mask up and more on developing clear and compelling research which will allow individuals to make informed and free decisions. That's the traditional role of public health. You inform people and then let them choose. Don't lie to us. Don't mislead us. Or you'll find that we push back. Maybe we push back hard. Let's go to the phone, 801-331-8113. Rob is standing by. Hello, Rob. How are you today, my friend? Chipper. Chipper as can be. You know, I was in the store here, in the uh, Macy's supermarket here in Salt Lake City. And uh, I was talking to one of the uh, gals working behind the uh, deli there. And she, you know, we're having to wear the mask eight hours a day. And uh, at the moment when I was in there, she was, she was like delusional. She, she was telling me how she don't know if she can keep her job because of this you know, mandatory thing that these people are having to go through wearing this mask all day. And she, she said she was dizzy, and like I said, she was delusional. She was, she was saying things that made no sense. And she's working. These people are on the, on the job. I mean, wow. I'm thinking it's time for some of these stores. I mean, you're going to – I mean, people have walkouts for all different causes. They do it in colleges. They do it in schools. I mean, it might be time for some of these people that are, you know, feeling a little bit oppressed or not feeling good at all for having to wear these masks to maybe join in a nationwide walkout like 
I mean, could you imagine if all the employees of Walmart just decided to say, that's it, on this day we're not, gonna, we're not coming to work nationwide because we're being forced to wear this mask? What do you think Walmart would have to do? Well, you raise a good question, and I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm actually, I'm actually going to hold back on what I, what I really want to say here, but um, it, it, such things can be taken to ridiculous degrees. I think of, uh, was it the uh, Wisconsin uh, Department of Natural Resources telling its employees, if you appear in a Zoom video meeting, if you're on video, you must be wearing a mask, even if you are attending that Zoom meeting from home. Now, how much sense does something like that make? Well, you know, I, I think it, 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 this whole mask thing's crazy. It makes no sense to me. I mean, if you're home in your own home. Right. It, it, I mean, you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide. You're getting in humidity that you should not, not normally be getting going back into your lungs. I mean, I just I won't. I just saw the fire department the other day. Three of them in, inside of the cab. Nobody was wearing their masks. You know, inside the cab. Yeah. You know, it's going to come to the point where I mean, these people that we are listening to, I, I just I'm not buying it. I mean, we have the FAA. What do we have the FAA do? They have to go investigate a crash after the fact. We've got the FDA. That has approved all these drugs. And what do we have? Class action lawsuits. Out the wazoo. No, your, your point is well taken. Our faith in government, however well-intentioned, is, is most likely misplaced. Because, after all, it's people. They're fallible. And sometimes when you put perverse incentives in front of them that, that have them you know, favor uh, personal power or even sometimes personal gain, over actually, uh, you know, setting those interests aside and doing what's in the interest of, of uh, you know, the public, there are going to be problems. And then sometimes it's just that government uh, sees force and, you know, as, as its only solution to do things. You know, the, the, the saying, if you're holding a hammer, it, it, everything looks like a nail. But I'm still shaking my head over what whatever Wisconsin was thinking. Well, as long as you're not on video, you can take off your mask. But if you're on video... See, that to me doesn't sound like it has anything to do with health whatsoever. That sounds like as long as you are towing the line and showing compliance, then uh, yes, you'll be fine. But that sounds more like a psychological exercise than an actual health exercise. Back to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Going once, going twice. Are you there, caller? Hello there, Brian. Sam calling. Hey, Sam. Good. Hey, uh, I may as well declare, everybody else declares something. I declare that we all wrap up in saran wrap and crawl on all fours, and that'll get rid of the coronavirus. <laughs> uh, I only laugh because I'm sure there are some people too. okay, okay, I'm doing it. <laughs> when do exactly I start feeling point. safe again? <laughs> That's exactly my point. There's some that'll believe just about anything. Yeah. And, um, but... I, I, I suspected foul play with this a long time ago. I'm a lot more cynical than you are, Brian. I, I think this is all being done on purpose because they want to see how compliant the American public will be before we get to the vaccines and various other things they want to do to us. Well, I, I don't know what to think. I do know that there are people who are trying to consolidate power and use it 
to their advantage. And so I'm already suspicious there. But, uh, yeah, I think I think this if there was ever a time to be skeptical, this is it. Well, and here's the thing. I'm not saying that everybody realizes what they're going along with. There's enough people out there who live in hyper fear. I even know some around here for fear that will go along with anything. But simply all I'm saying is that there are some people that do know what they're doing, and that's what I'm pointing out. Yep. Well, I want to be my own fact checker, not because I know everything, but because ultimately I have the responsibility to make the best decisions for myself. And I think that's true of all of us. Sam, thank you for your call. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Before we go any further, I just want to give a quick shout-out to my friend John Staples and his lovely wife, Heather. They are the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, and they are the folks you need to talk to if you are looking for a mortgage or if you're looking to refinance or maybe you're looking for a new home loan. I want you to talk to them, and you can actually go to their website, staplesmortgage.com. John is extremely good at what he does. He's been doing it for many, many years. He's also extremely conscientious and just goes the extra mile to take care of his customers. And that's why I recommend him, and I give you, without any hesitation, my highest recommendation, talk to him. Tell him, Brian said, you, you are the best. And I'm not exaggerating, he really is. Again, that's staplesmortgage.com, the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, 23 states strong. You know Patriot Home Mortgage is in 23 different states. Chances are there's one near you, and they can help you get where you want to go in terms of a home mortgage or even a refinance. All right, let's go back. We'll open up the lines here, 801-331-8113. Any thoughts on uh, this, this Kansas doctor? Uh, fudging the information a little bit. I don't know if you would call it an outright lie, but it sure seems like a misrepresentation to try to sway public opinion one way or the other. But uh, he wasn't clever enough to uh, to fool all the people and got called on it. And I think the bigger question has to be, why would someone do that in the first place? If, if it, Look, if it's really about science, it's not like there's an agenda, Right. So why not just present the facts and let people draw their own conclusions? Why try to shade things one way or the other? Back to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Hello, Brian. Is that me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. You know, it's a mindset. You know, it's a point of view. The political elite, um, mass, they're hammers us with repeated opinions over and over again to get the people to think what the elite wants the masses to think. You know, in this mindset, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think, you know, what it comes down to is the have elites, you know, radical puppet masters are punishing. They're punishing us. You know, the haves and also the have-nots that voted for President Trump. You know, uh, we, the, the middle class, wanted to keep more of our earning. And we wanted us, you know, uh, in America to be 
prosperous or great again. You know, jobs for us first, um, and and the the overflow to the world. But the elite is punishing us because they want a world economy for themselves, and they want us to pay for it. You know, the the Democrats, you know, the progressive leaders are not prosecuting the rioters, but letting them out when they're arrested. The, the protesters don't even know that they are pawns being used and manipulated as puppets on a string. You know, but, but these cities are imploding. They're falling in on themselves. And they're just destroying, you know, their, their, um, where their strings reach to. No, I, I agree. And, and Ray, one of the most unkind things that I've heard so far is uh, uh, the story I heard earlier today about uh, in, I think it's Minneapolis, businesses that were destroyed in the rioting uh, are being told, well, you know, we'd like to help you. We'll, you know, have some state or, or even, you know, uh, local funds to, to, to help you rebuild, you know, from the ashes of all the, the protesters who burned down your business. But first you have to pay your property taxes. And if you want to just sift through that for just a second. Okay, so the very government that failed to to protect these property owners' property, they could have, but they didn't. But now they're saying, well, you know, we'd like to help you as far as rebuilding and maybe getting back on your feet. But first, <laughs> we need our tribute payment. See, this is this is one of the reasons why I'm like, privatize it. Just just take take it out of the hands of those municipal or state governments and privatize that security. I bet you they couldn't do a worse job than than the state was doing or the, the, than the city was doing. And at least uh, from a private business, it can't just shake you down and threaten to throw you in jail if you refuse to uh, to do business with it. It has to earn your business. Sorry, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit negative towards uh, towards how government approaches this, and and yet I feel pretty justified. <laughs> I think on most fronts. Back to the phone, eight zero one three three one eighty one thirteen. Caller, welcome to the show. Hello. Yep. Go ahead. You're on the air. Well, I didn't hear any squeak. No, it's because I'm stealthy, man. When I take your call, you never know. It's like it's like you know the the tracker sneaking up behind you. Cougar, huh? Anyway, uh, okay, I got two things. I, my kidneys aren't that good, and and every time I mask up, they hurt twice as bad. And then my heart starts beating like crazy, trying to supply enough oxygenated blood to the kidneys because I breathe in too much carbon dioxide. And uh, so I always put my nose out over the thing if I have to do it. You know, go in a store. And then my daughter, a month ago, came down with, uh, she's been coughing for a month. She's got a sinus infection. She's got walking pneumonia from those damn masks. That's what's happened. She's used to wear it all the time and stuff. And Anyway, I figured that's what's going on. She's been to the doctor, and they figure it's walking pneumonia. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get no argument from me. I, I don't. It, incubated, it incubated under the mask, see? I know that it can't be good to be sitting there breathing the same germs and the same gunk in and out all the time. But well, yeah, uh, your body's trying to get rid of it. You have cilia in your—it's called cilia, S-I-L-I-A. 
little filaments that constantly sweep the lungs towards your mouth, sweep the crap that's in your lungs. And if you cover your mouth, you suck it all back in. That's what you're doing. Plus the carbon dioxide, which they keep saying, oh, nobody's breathing that. You know, the lying damn doctors. It's got to be a got to be a big plot because uh, they sit there and just lie about everything. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out you're breathing your own carbon dioxide back in, let alone your germs. I mean, people are getting strep, bronchitis. Uh, if you get uh, if you get aspergillus niger under your mask, which is a deadly fungus that goes into your lung first, and then it can go into your sinuses too. But once it gets into your sinuses, there's no known cure because it goes into the brain and kills you. There's no known cure for aspergillus niger. It's a fungus. Anyway, I'll let you win. Okay, thanks. I appreciate your appreciate your call. Scary stuff. Yeah. Can I can I confess something? Um, I have a part time gig, and sometimes, uh, well, actually, when I'm when I am working at that gig, I am required to wear a mask because I'm interacting with the public. And uh, it's it's not easy. You know, it's it's a matter of you know, a man does what a man has to do. But um, since it's a condition of employment, that's something that I have to do. And I've been pretty healthy this year, all things considered. You know, in spite of the fact there's been a pandemic and, you know, the various other crud that goes around seasonably, I have been remarkably healthy. I don't know why. It ain't all the good eating and exercising that I'm doing, but I've stayed pretty healthy. But... Within about a week of starting to wear that mask on an almost daily basis, I got sick. And and you'll never convince me that uh, the mask doesn't have something to do with it. I got sick enough. I actually went and had to go get tested for COVID. Now, thankfully, it came back negative. But the, for, the, for those who, who rail against it, I, I am with you 100%. It is no fun. It is, it is unhealthy. It feels unhealthy. And yet it's seen as, you know, an absolute requirement for you to be considered a part of polite society. I really believe this is one of those times where um, we're, we're going to sort out the people who have their conscience, you know, developed and that, that relationship with their conscience to where they're OK with being out of step with others. If their conscience is telling them, you know, that, that you need to do something here, even if it's uncomfortable. And I'm talking about the people who choose not to wear a mask. I'm not going to put you down for wearing one. I know very well what it means to wear one. But I totally understand why people are very resistant to this. And, and frankly, the more mandates that come up and, and this idea now that, uh, well, if we, just, uh, if we just have harsher mandates and more mandates, I feel for the kids who are headed back to school, frankly. I think that uh, they've, got, they've got a tough road to hoe. You see the pictures of what the classrooms look like. Everybody distanced. Everybody, you know, uh, sitting there with their masks on. And yes, it's mandated. Again, everything must be sanitized. At some point, we're going to have to get realistic and just understand you can't hide from the virus. You can do some things. Wash your hands. Don't cough on people. Stay home if you're sick. But all the rest, I don't know. It just feels like theater, and not even good theater, not even summer stock. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This 
is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. By the way, if you haven't stopped by firesteel.com, I would really love it if you would just do it just to satisfy your curiosity. You've heard me talk about it. I'm, I'm thinking what I need to do, and actually I'm probably going to enlist my son David to help me with this. Um, this weekend, I'm going to do a Facebook Live video, and I'm going to break out the gob spark that I got from uh, firesteel.com, and I'm going to show you how simple it is to start a basic campfire. In fact, I'll, I'll do it. it. It's so simple. I'm, I'm going to probably just go ahead and and uh, just you know use some dryer lint or something like a little tinder and just just show how easy it is with a good strong spark, which is what these things are amazing at producing. You can start a fire. You don't have to carry lighters. You don't have to carry books or boxes of matches. You can get about fifteen thousand matches worths of fire out of one of these fire steel fire starters. Powerful, powerful stuff, and a great thing to uh, to make sure that uh, you are prepared no matter what's going on. You go to firesteel.com. When you order it, be sure to drop my name. And I mean literally put my name in, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, when you go to checkout, and they will uh, give you a nice discount. I was mentioning in the last hour, my friend Carl picked one up yesterday. When it gets here, he and I are going to go and start fires. Safely, of course, right? Probably just for roasting of marshmallows and things like that, but... Uh, we'll go get some practice. If you want to join us, you got to have one. Firesteel.com. All right. Still some calls coming in here. 801-331-8113. Get it off your chest. Call me up. Let's talk. Um, I wanted to share a thought here on the cultural inquisition. And I don't think this is a uh, hyperbole way of stating what we are experiencing right now in terms of woke culture. You know, the one that tells you everything you believe, everything you say, everything that you represent is wrong and oppressive. It's taken it years to thread its way into academia and from academia, it's threaded its way into corporate culture, but it's there and it is, it is having some very serious inroads. You don't have to be a social media influencer to feel the pain of, gosh, you know, all I did was like the status or I shared something on Facebook and, you know, now people are, are hounding me. They're throwing garbage at me as I walk down the street. Michael Roseff, writing for LewRockwell.com, says some call it the woke inquisition. And it is an inquisition when people exercising rightful speech are forced out of their jobs by intimidation or by pseudo judicial procedures by intense questioning of selected targets, such as outspoken academics in universities and colleges, by suspensions, by harassment, among other methods of this new inquisition. It is a cultural inquisition when major media thwart and censor selected views. And it's happening pretty much everywhere. I mean, most of the bastions of the free world, America, Canada, the UK, are among the countries experiencing this cultural inquisition. And there may be others. Michael Rosef says it's being supported by people in our midst whom we have elected to office. It's being lauded and paid for by people like uh, George Soros and others we don't know by name who have comfortable leadership positions in all sorts of organizations. The military, government, corporations, the media, foundations, schools and universities. It's being manned on the streets and in the universities by mobs of miseducated men and women whose ages are predominantly 18 to 35 years old. And he says our blind financial support of the education system and our failure to control the system with proper educational content is responsible for generating 
these mobs? Our active support of mistaken educational content in schools and universities is responsible for generating ill-educated, miseducated mobs. And the Inquisition's being joined under such banners as anti-police, anti-racism, anti-fascism. It is anti-white, anti-civilization, anti-property, anti-police, and anti-middle class. In some forms, it's like affirmative action carried to unheard-of extremes. In other forms, it's attempting to burn down courthouses. Now, he says this cultural inquisition has several faces and breaks out in multiple locations, making it hard to pin down. There is no known and identifiable central power in control of it. The common means of the inquisition are violence, threats, intimidation, harassment, mobs, fires, missiles, job pressures, lies, graffiti, embarrassment, and censorship. That's because this Inquisition uses shaming. It blocks people from social media. It calls for boycotts. The cultural Inquisition has latched upon injustice as a motivating means. It's using a variety of changing slogans to propel the Inquisition onward and broaden it. That's why we're suddenly bombarded with charges of systemic racism and demands for equality. That's why we're suddenly expected to applaud all sorts of sexual practices and teach them to children. All of a sudden, transsexualism, which is a very minor sexual matter, becomes a controversy over bathrooms and what kids are taught, and by whom, in reading hours. And he says it's all crazy and senseless. Much of it is dangerous to us and to our children, but it's still publicized because it's controversial. It still furthers the Inquisition. The bombardment of one new thing after another confuses and disturbs the usual social equilibrium the COVID-19 behaviors have unluckily provided an environment that's aided the forces of the cultural inquisition. Another tactic, he says, is to smear our entire culture by equating it to the behaviors of a few bad actors or those accused of being bad actors. But listen to this. Michael Rosef says, despite its many facets, all of this destruction of people's lives with its several faces is one united thing. It is a cultural Inquisition. The single unifying thrust of all of it is to suppress our existing culture and replace it with other systems and powers. That is the broader meaning of cancel culture that goes beyond forcing people out of their positions. Now, he does sound an optimistic note here. He says that the cultural inquisition will be defeated, but not without conscious steps taken by ordinary people to suppress it. The Inquisition's own excesses will generate powerful forces counter to it. We will experience a kind of civil struggle that revamps the main Inquisitions that have been subverted and now harbor the strongest support for the Inquisition. It won't be a shooting war, although some physical clashes are bound to occur, not unless government makes the mistake of siding with the Inquisition. In that case, there will be widespread rebellion. Now, if the government avoids this blunder, then the main establishment that must be revamped is the educational system, bottom to top. Miseducation is rampant in America, says Michael Rosef, and it's being conducted by an infiltration of inquisitors who've gained positions of power, who choose textbooks, who write textbooks, and who are busy shaping the minds of children and young adults. This system has to be purged and replaced. And he says uh, this, that's the main challenge here in order to defuse the Inquisition once and for all. And this can be done because the public controls the money that supports these inquisitors.
So I guess if you're looking for a good bit of justification for why does it matter, how, and when you vote, that's it right there. Because the public controls the money that supports the Inquisitors. If you want to shut off their source of funding, you got to make sure that you have people in place who won't support them. All right, let's go back to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Boy, they waited a long time just to hang up. But uh, thank you. And might I add, call again when you have more time. So I want to leave you with something positive. And yet, uh, I, I'm going to tell you, it's a, this is going to be more of a tease than anything, but I, um, I have something that I'm looking greatly forward to this weekend. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, part of this ongoing uh, process of, of locating and connecting with my birth parents um, had led me to, first of all, contact my birth father, and then I actually was able to get in touch with my birth mother. And uh, at the time, I had had hoped that maybe there would be a meeting and and was gently told, "Mm, probably not. Well, I am uh, I'm headed over tomorrow to meet my birth mother for the first time. And to say I'm nervous would be a bit of an understatement. It'd be like saying, you know, it could be chilly in the Antarctic at certain times of the year. Um, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also really excited. And, And beyond that, I'm also excited because I have a couple of half siblings who I'm very anxious to meet, and, and I've, I've had the opportunity to, to speak to, uh, to my half-brother, and my wife and I are going to go meet with them. We're going to have lunch tomorrow, and I'm, I'm hoping to come back and, and share a few, uh, just a few insights with you on Monday about how that went. I might even have some, some pictures I can share on social media. But I have to tell you, with all the crazy stuff that's been happening this year and all the all the negative things that have happened, this has been a really incredible distraction. And I mean that in the best possible sense. It has caused me to refocus on what matters most in the long run. And you know what? It ain't politics. It's not the economy. It's not even, you know, financial worries. It really comes down to the people around you and the kind of relationships that you have with them. So if you're going to work on anything, that's the one that's going to matter. This is The Brian Hyde Show.